And we are back with another summer movie this week. We, we sure are. We're, we're spanning genres now. We are spanning genres because I really, this is also the tale of the summer of movies you can't see because I really wanted to watch Flamingo Kid. With Matt Dillon. With Matt Dillon and Richard Crenna. Oh, Richard Crenna. Fucking yeah. Crenna. This should be yeah. the summer. You know what this should be? The summer of Crenna. <laughs> the summer of Crenna. That's, where we're, that's what the fans want, Chrissy. The summer of Crenna. I am on board for it. I agree. But again, another movie that I couldn't find streaming anywhere. It was really annoying. Justice for Richard Crenna. Wait, is yeah. he? Did he pass away? Oh, Richard Crenna? I think he might have. He might have. If not, my apologies, Mr. Crenna. Yeah. Well, we did we did lose James Conn this oh week. Oh, my God. James Conn, we, who we just were talking about. Yeah, honeymoon in Vegas. Um, who is th- the best? James Con. Yeah. So many people are dying. I know, but I and and you and more outrage. You can't see Flamingo Kid. So we decided to watch a summer horror film. That's right. Which we will talk about later. Yeah. Yeah. James Con. That makes me sad. It did make me sad too. Like we're losing, we're losing like the. The real movie stars. I know we had this conversation before about like there's no real movie stars left, and he was definitely like he could do it all. He could the ones that can do any type of movie. He can do a comedy. He could do an action. He could do a drama. You know, he should have won an Oscar for Misery, by the way, and did not. But yes, he was very good. And I will note that Richard Crenna, we're a little bit behind, and he died almost 20 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Richard Crenna. This is That's Outrageous, and I am Chrissy. <laughs> and I'm Anna. This is the podcast where we talk about Ed actors. <laughs> Big stars of the 70s, apparently. Oh, hunks, hunks from the 70s. <laughs> you can give them the 80s too. And, and 80s. That's true. I mean, James Conn, not Richard. James Conn. Well, both. You know what? Why not? All he right. was a, a a handsome looking older man. Krenna? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, and we're going to begin with a story. There is what they call a zero star hotel <laughs> in Switzerland. Oh my. It's these Swiss artists have installed basically it's a double bed on a platform with two bedside tables and lamps. There's no walls, ceilings, or doors. So this is like an art installation, essentially. It's an art installation, but a regular person can can rent the room, quote unquote, the room. They set it up next to a gas station. Why would any regular person rent this room is my question, my first question. Well, the intention of this, oh, you do get a butler. Here's all right. Already, this is probably better than any Motel 6 in America. Well, and they they also they charge $325 a night. Oh, that's ridiculous. That's outrageous. That 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 is outrageous. <laughs> you do get drinks and breakfast. So you get drinks, breakfast, a butler, but no walls or ceiling. And you sleep next to a gas station. And you sleep next to a gas station. Yes. You know what? Things could be worse. The, things could be worse. Well, the, the artist's point in this whole thing is reflecting about the current world situation 
Staying here is a statement about the need for urgent changes in society. So their way of doing that is to cash in and charge <laughs> like four times the amount of money that they should to do that. Well, they're, th- they're, they're, they're metaphorically saying now is not the time to sleep. If we continue in the same direction we are today, there might be more anti-idyllic places than idyllic. I got it. So now's the time to cater to wealthy people who want to rent this room and like take pictures and put them on Instagram. Instagram. It's the time for that though. This is now, it's only available for a short time and July 1st through September 18th. Well, let's book that flight. Get to to Switzerland. You know, I got to say that I'm doing something, some sort of activism that's bullshit. (laughs) I was on board for a minute until they tried to make it like it was a lofty ideal and charging $400 a night. Is that money going in their pocket or are they donating it to like a good cause? Oh, I hope they're donating it to a good cause. Um, the, the funny thing is the first few times they did it, they actually did do it in very pastoral settings, like beautiful, I mean, outside, but in nature, but now they've decided to up it, to like, put it next to a gas station where clearly you're not going to sleep. Like, yeah. So it's a $400 camping spot. Yeah. But you haven't rained. You're out there though. I'll tell you, it's a nice setup. It looks very nice. Nice platform. Looks very Ikea actually. Uh, you know what? I'd rather just go into an Ikea and go take a nap for $0 <laughs> and then I'll donate to Planned Parenthood or whatever. There you go. Well, I just actually got a duvet from Ikea. Very nice. Hmm. You know what? You can get some like nice stuff there that doesn't look Ikea. You know, like you, they have that furniture that you know, just by looking at it, it's Ikea. Then they yeah. have some other stuff that you're like, okay. Yeah. No, nice duvet. I'll say that. And I like their lingonberry jam. Oh, I didn't even, I haven't tried that. It's quite good. Maybe the butler will bring it to us in our Swiss setup. That'd be my, my, my request. Can I get a full container of lingonberry jam, (laughs) some rye bread lightly, like actually medium toasted. (laughs) Yeah. And you sit there while people are pumping their gas. It's great. Oh God. What a nightmare. People are just the worst climate change and that's what they're really trying to draw attention to okay okay sure all right next story this is now here's here's a what would you do Ooh, a john quinones what would you do yeah john quinones uh a chilean man (laughs) was accidentally paid 286 times his salary he works this is actually kind of funny He works for the largest producer of cold cuts in Chile. Okay. By accident, they paid him $180,000 for one month. Wow. What a dream. Wouldn't that be amazing? Yeah. He was usually paid $542. Wow. Yeah. So he said he was, so anyway, so he said he was going to give the money back. Well, you have, they're going to, they're going to find out that they did it. It's not. That's not a true, what would you do? Because it's not like he found the sack of money in a duffel bag that's untraceable. The, their, their, you know, payroll people are going to go, oh shit, we accidentally paid this guy. Like he, ha- he has to report the money back. It's not even a, a moral thing. Like they're going to catch him regardless. They, they discovered the accident very quickly. Yeah. They told the worker he was going to have to give the money back. He said- 
he was going to go back, except he didn't. He wound up resigning and disappearing. <laughs> wow. Well played. How does it, I mean, legally, does he get that money because they gave it to him or no? Well, now he, well, first, sorry. First, he called and said, I'm sorry, I wasn't there. I overslept. Ha ha. I overslept on this pile of cash on my way out of town. And then he disappeared. And now they're just trying to have their lawyers try to get it back, but they don't know where he is. Wow. I mean, I have to say that's impressive. I literally took the money and run. Well, he didn't steal the money. That's the other thing. He didn't steal the money. No. He didn't steal the money. You know what? I think they should just look. Then he gets the money. That's the way I'm looking at it. Is it his money? Did he earn it? He probably did earn it. I'm sure that guy worked really hard for a long time. Yeah. 180,000 and he took off. That's probably not much money to to the largest cold cut manufacturers in the entire country. That's not much money. I don't think to them. Uh, Yeah, but it's a lot to him for sure. Sure is. I think I would have given the money back though. Well, I mean, like I said, you would have had to have given it back if you wanted to keep your job. Listen, if you're only making $542 a month, what is that? That's like $6,000 a year. And he's just, so he just got paid 30 years worth of salary. It's retirement. It is retirement. How old is the guy? Do we know? No, it didn't say. I get the urge to do it. Yeah. I get it too, but I I get it. Getting your family being like, we're out of here. I'm sick. I'm sick of working for cold cuts. Yeah. It had to be a terrible job working in a cold cut factory. Yeah. You know what? I say to him, Godspeed, sir, take it, you know, enjoy it, live well, pay it forward in some way. Yeah. That's never happened to me. I've never accidentally gotten more money ever. No, I don't think I have either. Just luck. Um, all right, Anne, and this story is about a Florida man. Uh-oh. So a, a Florida man was looking, he was applying for a security job at Walt Disney World. Okay. However, he donned a Disney name tag <laughs> and attempted to steal a Star Wars R2-D2 statue worth up to $10,000. First of all, the fact that there's an R2-D2 statue that's worth $10,000 in and of itself is upsetting, but yeah. I believe it. Yeah. Um, He claims to be confused. (laughs) He gave a false name when they caught him trying to steal this and said he was moving the statue to a different location on the property. (laughs) This guy's trying to pull a heist. He's trying to do like a, like an Ocean's Eleven, but for an R2-D2 statue. Well, but the other misguided thing is he was doing this as a way to prove that he would make a great security guard <laughs> because he was trying to show lapses in their system. Look, I mean, clearly <laughs> he has a point there. He said it wasn't his goal to steal from Disney. Although when they did a search warrant of his home, it revealed thousands of dollars worth of items from the theme park. So he's just been methodically stealing items, <laughs> but he's claiming it's he wanted to show to them how good of a security guard he actually is. How, where where the weaknesses in their yeah. system are. <laughs> I mean, he has kind of <laughs> kind of has a point. <laughs> and to be like, finally it worked. I led you here so you can see what I've done. You know what? 
in, in another light, another world, he could have been some sort of consultant, some sort of theft consultant, and probably made a shit ton of money and then bought that R two D two with his own money. <laughs> it's, it's such a, in some ways, it's admirable, but the logic <laughs> is so interesting. I think it's kind of genius. <laughs> it kind of. Genius, except for the fact that when he got caught, he should have been like, "Aha!" That, I mean, that's what that would have should have been the move. Like, finally, I've been trying to show you guys. Right. Instead, he gives a fake name, claims to be confused, and said he was just moving it from one location to another. Well, because he thought of the good idea after the fact. <laughs> okay. He should have. He should have been like, "Hold, please," and then formulated his plan. He would have gotten fired either way and probably arrested, but at least it would have been. You could maybe argue in court. Yeah, I don't know. Listen, I I find this story very amusing on so many <laughs> levels. He's like, I'm just taking it because I was able. I was just waiting for you to find it. Yeah, the best was that he was he was spotted pushing the cart, leaving a hotel called the Swan and Dolphin Hotel. I love it. I think that's hysterical because it is funny because they probably do have an an insane security staff. I would yeah. imagine, you know, for a park that size. Yeah. And the fact that you, I mean, it's, it is, it's like an Ocean's Eleven or whatever. You dress up <laughs> like the, you infiltrate. I mean, it probably happens a lot. He's creative. Let's give him that. I'm telling you, he should start a business. He found the weaknesses. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Anne. And our last story, this isn't really like a story story, but I stumbled across this when I was trying to find stories. And I just want to applaud this woman. Oh, her, yeah. And the funny thing is, I found this in HuffPost, uh, an article by a woman named Marcel Carp. What a name. Yeah, who I, she works in a similar industry that we do. And I always see her like in, there's like this, there's this group, this email group, and she's always part of that. And she's always trying to, I feel like she's always trying to help people. And now, okay. now I know why, because she wrote this article in HuffPost about how she got laid off when she was 51. Oh, geez. And it took her six years to find a job. I'm impressed that she found a job. She did. She finally found a full-time job. She actually said when she got it, she started crying. But this is the whole thing. I mean, now I realize this whole time that she's been on these, you know, email groups and stuff, she was unemployed, which I did not realize. And she was yeah. still trying to help other people with whatever connection she had. And not only did she get a full-time job, but this year, which I also saw, she wrote a YA novel that got published. I love that. I love it too. I think that she is such an interesting and, uh, you know, inspirational person. She also detailed the insults that she suffered while she was trying to get a new job. I'm telling you, it's true. The ageism is real. Yeah. She, she said that one woman said to her, people don't want to see their moms in the office. <gasps> wow. Yes. Uh, you know, and she said she had a million meetings and people would be like, it's good to see you, but we don't have anything at the moment. I mean, which does happen. I, I have that in my own job. I would like to help people. Sometimes your hands are just tied, but yeah, I have to say she was, uh, she persevered and she wound up getting a, a full-time job, which I say, good for you, Marcel. That's amazing. But it's true. I mean, I know so many people that it's like, 
once you hit a certain age, people are just not, they don't want to hire you. They're going to get someone half your age and pay them half the amount of money that they would have to pay you. Yeah, no. And she, you know, she downsized her apartment. She got rid of cable. She walked everywhere. She had chronic insomnia. Like that is so scary. Yes. Good for her. That's great. And she wrote a book. It's, but I was like, I was just so uh, touched by this story because again, I didn't know her whole story and she was literally trying to help people while she herself was unemployed. Well, cheers to you, Marcel. Yes. Cheers to you. All right, Anne. And this week we watched the 1997 film. I know what you did last summer. Yes. I know what you did last summer. Which I did not realize when we picked this movie, um, the movie studio is re-releasing it in September, I guess, for its 25th uh, anniversary. Oh. They're including six deleted scenes. Oh, okay. Yeah, so people are speculating what those scenes could possibly be. I wonder. Be. Well, it's based on a book. Yes. That I remember reading <clears throat> years ago. Nick read it years ago, too. But I remember when this came out. I think I saw it in the movies. Because it's a good look, Sarah Michelle Geller, who I love to this day. Yep. And that was when she no, I don't think Buffy was on yet, but I was a fan of hers because she did a show in the 80s called Swan's Crossing, which was like a teen soap opera. And then she went to All My Children and yeah. she was Kendall, who was Erica Kane's daughter. Yes. Um, you know, Susan Lucci. Everybody yes. knows Susan Lucci. Um she played her daughter, who's this real like bitch girl who is the fucking best. Yeah. And then, you know, I'm always happy when my soap people ascend. Yeah. So she started getting. So this was, I guess, probably before Cruel Intentions, but like. Yes, it was before Cruel Intentions. Yeah. But she, I love her. That's her. Fucking Jennifer yeah. Love Hewitt. Yep. I love Hewitt. Delaware's own Ryan Phillippe. Yep. And Freddie Prince Jr., who yep. Sarah Michelle Geller ended up marrying. And they're still married. They're still married. Yes. And um, I had read that they wanted Reese Witherspoon for one of the roles. She turned it down, but she recommended uh, her then boyfriend, Ryan Phillippe, for the role. He was not at all, (laughs) I guess in the script, you know, the, the, the character of Barry, who he plays is supposed to be like a football player, like six foot two, like a very big. Right. But he's like, he's like a slender, but muscular. Yeah, they were like, he wasn't at all the physical type, but I guess when Reese Witherspoon makes a phone call, then you get the, you get the job. I guess so. Yeah. But it was an all-star cast. You got Johnny Galecki in there. Johnny Galecki, Bridget Wilson. Bridget Anne Wilson. Heche. Anne Heche. I was just yes. talking about Anne Heche and how she really got screwed by um, uh, this business. Oh, well, well, let's hold that thought. So yes, <laughs> but it was, it was, a, it was I mean, literally, a- she came on the screen. I said, God damn, she got, she got a raw deal. And then I went in my mind, I was had a whole, I became furious, but yeah. Okay. You went through a whole lot. You went through more emotions than she did in the movie. I I did. Cause I was like, God damn it, Anne Heche. But yes, I would guess I would agree. It's everyone in this movie is famous. And, um, and you know, obviously at that point in time, Jennifer Love Hewitt was the youngest one. She was 18, but they were all very young. They, I think the oldest one was like maybe 23. They were all sort of in that, uh, yeah that 18 to 23 range. Yeah. And this was written by Kevin Williamson, who had become very famous for Scream. The Scream, Scream stuff. Yeah. He wrote this screenplay first for I Know What You Did Last Summer. And 
but then no one wanted to make it. So then Scream came out and then everyone wanted to make whatever he had written. So, oh, okay. Yes. So they rushed this into production. And I think, well, Nick was saying like the book is very different than the film. Yes. You know, I mean, the conceit is, is the same, but, the, but what happens is very, is very different. Yes. And the author of the book was very upset with this movie because she, in her book, nobody dies except for, I guess, the first person who gets run over by a car, but there's no, they're getting stalked, but no one dies. And she was very opposed to the fact that this was basically a horror film. There's so much murder in this one. Yeah. Yeah. Poor Galecki. Galecki didn't even do anything wrong. Well, that was the other thing. Um, It was, you know, that was a lot of the part that I was reading, like, why kill him but well okay so basically the basic plot is oh and the other funny thing about this movie is it takes place in north carolina yeah but the rocky beaches are clearly west coast beaches and they filmed all the beach scenes in california i was like i've been to the beach in north carolina and i've been to the beach in california they are not they don't look the same no not even remotely similar and why they i was thinking why didn't maybe the book was set in north carolina but why if they were going to change other things why didn't they just yeah have a coastal california beach town yeah yeah who knows but yes because the opening scene is on this rocky cliff beach which does not exist in north carolina it's like a quintessential like northern california (laughs) you know the rocks the the winding roads I mean, literally, I mean, truly, it's like yeah. almost like a stereotypical, you know, yeah. Looked beautiful though. It did, sure did. And this, this young man is sitting up there and it looks like he's contemplating killing himself. Yeah. And then this group of friends, the Jennifer Love Hewitt, Sarah Michelle Gellar, Ryan Felipe and Freddie Prince Jr. They're, they're two couples, they're friends. Yeah. It's their last day of school. They decide to go to the beach. Yeah. And Philip, he's a real dick. Like the rich, hot head, like he's always, I mean, he's just, he's on 10 the whole time. He's always screaming at everyone and grabbing people by the collars. Yeah. He's very annoying. Yeah. He's, you're what you're rooting for him to get it. That's for sure. You're like, this fucking guy's got to go. His name is Barry. Yeah. And, and plus his name is Barry. So that'll, I'm like, (laughs) it's a wrap on you, Philippi. Yeah. His name is Barry and he dates Helen, who's Sarah Michelle Geller who is, so he's like supposed to be a football player and she's like the beauty queen. She yes. literally wins a beauty pageant. The quintessential blonde beauty queen who's going to go off to New York and become an actress and all that kind of stuff. And then Jennifer Love Hewitt plays Julie, who's supposed to be sort of the brains, let's say. Yeah. And Freddie Prince Jr. is Ray. Ray and Julie are dating. And he's like the only one that's like not a rich kid from, you know, the other side of the tracks, let's say. Yes, he's, yeah, he's the other side of the tracks. And it's supposed to be this like, small fishing town community where a lot it's like a lot of the people work on the water and they're they're fishermen and catching crabs and whatever yeah that's what ray's father does meanwhile barry's father bought him a bmw for his yeah barry's a real dick yeah he's just from from the top from the top there's no there's nothing you know i guess that's how he played it or how they wanted him there's really nothing there are no layers to barry there's nothing really redeemable about him it's like why are you even spending one minute of time with this guy he's a fucking asshole yeah though he does seem to have genuine affection for helen he has genuine affection for helen's vagina (laughs) honestly yeah so the friends are at the beach and they're telling a 
you know, a classic kind of ghost story about a man with a hook. Which is funny in and of itself, because when have you ever heard of two couples <laughs> sitting around a campfire telling ghost stories? <laughs> like, like, I don't think that's happened, but sure. Yeah. Which basically sets up, this is what's going to happen, right? Something right. is going to happen, this horror sort of story. Yeah, and we've all heard the stories about like the and there's been a million, you know, stories about someone with a hook on their hand or like, you know. Right. Yeah. So Barry has too much to drink so that when they go back to the car, they're like, you can't drive. And um, Ray is going to drive. Yeah. Freddie Prince Jr. is like, I'm going to take the wheel. Yeah. So they start driving and freaking Barry decides to stand up and stick his head out of the out of the skylight. Yeah. And he's causing all this distraction. And Freddie Prince Jr. Ray doesn't see someone crossing this dark road and hits them. Yeah. And it is like dark, like we said, a dark, windy and stupid Philippines up there. Yeah. And he's spilling bourbon and stuff. Whatever he's drinking. Like, get beat it. Barry. I wish Barry would have flown out the top of that thing. That's what I actually thought was going to happen. But yeah, they hit something. They're looking around. What could it be? What could it be? Sarah Michelle Gell, or no, Jennifer Love Hewitt finds a boot, like a yeah, whatever Julie. fisherman boot, and it has blood on it. And they're like, oh God. And then they discover a man on the side of the road that they hit. They realize that they hit this guy. He seems dead. Yeah. Well, yeah. And his face is all messed up. They don't know who, I mean, obviously, I don't yeah. really know who it was anyway, but they don't know what he looks like. Yeah. And, but he appears to be dead. So, yes. of course, then comes the whole, what do we do? What do we do? The argument of he's dead already. First of all, they don't even know he's dead already, by the way, which is so funny. He just appears dead. But it's like, do we, if we say anything, our futures will be ruined. You know, that whole argument goes back and forth. And then Jennifer Love Hewitt's the moral person of the group. Like, we need to call the police and, you know, they'll say I was drinking and driving and back and forth, back and forth. Right. Then Galecki comes on the scene. He plays like a townie kid who has a crush on Jennifer Love Hewitt, but is also very aggressive and weird. But he kind of comes on the scene, sees them all, and then they shoo him away. But right. essentially what they decide to do is get rid of the body, which is quite a leap for a bunch of teenage kids, I think. Yes. I don't know why I still, I was like, I still don't know why you're not calling the police, but otherwise there wouldn't be a movie. So, and also I'm like, Barry's family is clearly like connected to the town. That kid wasn't going to get in any fucking trouble. We all know that. <laughs> so really no one's future. The guy did come out in the middle of nowhere on a street. They wouldn't, yeah. I don't think they would have gotten, I really don't think they would have gotten into trouble. Well, then the other ridiculous thing is they carry the body down to the water. They're about to put it in the water and the guy is alive. At that point, why would you <laughs> be like, great, let's call the cops. He's not dead. Yeah, it's full more. I mean, at that point, it, the old eyes spring open, you know, yeah. that old, that old chestnut. Yeah. His eyes pop open, but they, instead of being like, oh my God, thank God. They're like, start screaming yeah and push the alive man yeah that they had hit with a car yeah. now into the water essentially yeah. they're like oh well now we're gonna just full murder you at this right. point now we are going to murder you they put they go to push him into the sea yeah. for the sea to swallow him up and he grabs first of all through this entire exchange sarah michelle geller still wearing her beauty crown <laughs> which i think at the point where you killed a man you might remove it but she Ooh. was like no he snatches it from her head 
and is holding it and falls into the water and Philippi dives after him, not to retrieve the man, no, but to retrieve the crown out yeah, of the yeah. still alive man's yeah. hand. Yeah. Which was crazy. 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 Yes. Uh, so that's what he does. He takes the crown and they go back and everyone's like, well, let you know, they sort of make this pact. We're never going to tell anybody about this. Right. No one ever. I think at one point, doesn't Philippi grab Jennifer Lefeu by the throat? <laughs> yeah, he does. I think believe he grabs her by the throat and says, you better keep this quiet. Yeah. Because everyone knows she's the one that seems to be really, you know, wrestling with, with everything. But at this point, they're all full murderers. Like that's yeah. that's not even manslaughter or whatever. That's like legit murder. Right. Yeah. So now they actually have killed somebody. Yeah. Then they fast forward a year. So this was, they were all supposed to be going off to college. Right. right? It turns out that only um, Julie, Jennifer Love Hewitt, goes to college in Boston, which the scenes they shot, again, were at Duke, not Boston. But- right. Looks like a lovely school, but it's in North Carolina. Um, she goes off to school, apparently does not do well. She she looks terrible. Like yeah. they've done everything they can to make Jennifer Love Hewitt, her face look terrible. Yeah, they made sure that she was wearing a low cut blouse at all times. Usually. I was gonna say, her body's looking great. Yeah, the body is tight and the boobs are out, okay? <laughs> like we can make her hair stringy, but we do need to see her tits, sorry. <laughs> They're like, I, we don't make the rules. It's in the contract. Yeah. This is how it goes. This is a horror film. This, this is, is this is why we cast this girl. She's got a, she does have great boobs yeah. to this day. To, yeah, sure. Hat tip to you, Miss Love Hewitt. Yes. So they, so they, she had a bad year at school. She didn't do well academically. She's clearly, this has taken a mental toll on her. Yeah, she's struggling. Her mom's even like, are you on drugs? Like, what's wrong with you? She's like, right. I'm fine. She's going through it. Yes. Freddie Prince Jr. never left. He just started working on the boats like his dad. Yep. Um, Helen, Sarah Michelle Geller went to New York. She was supposed to go to New York to become a big actress. She says that she's going to, you know, go on to Guiding Light, which is funny. Yeah. And, you know, her career is going to take off from there. Well, it turns out she went to New York, lasted a very short time, and is now working at her family's store. Yeah. Bridget Wilson's her sister. And she has like a weird role because it's like, why was she even in it? She was just kind of like an asshole older sister kind of. Yeah, exactly. She always has a lot of contempt for her sister. Yeah. And then Ryan Felipe, who was also supposed to go to Boston, uh, turns out he, I don't know what happened. He just was home brooding and angry. (laughs) Yeah. Wearing a tank top and ready to throttle someone by the throat. Yes. And both couples have broken up. Not, no one is still together. No, they, they basically stopped speaking. Like they all went their separate ways and did not stay in touch. Right. So even though three of them are still in their hometown, they're not hanging out. They're not, they, they're not friends. They're not doing any of that. But then Julie comes home from college and she basically gets a letter that says, all it says is, I know what you did last summer. What's funny is it says, I know what you did last summer, exclamation point. Yes. And I thought the exclamation point wasn't needed. It would be more scary without the exclamation point. <laughs> I was like, mm, I would have lost that. Well, so so that's what that's sort of the catalyst to get them all back together. Because now right. Julie has to go find everyone and be like, someone knows what we did. Somebody knows something. Somebody saw something, which clearly someone had to have seen something because they're literally 
pulling a body down onto docks and shit and screaming and throw. I mean, come on. Right. So Barry, he quickly decides that the only person this could be is Max, Johnny Galecki, because he drove by that night. He must have seen something. He knows something. Yes. So he goes back down to the docks. Everyone's always at the docks. He goes down to the docks to talk to Max. But then he winds up threatening Max with an ice pick. (laughs) Yeah. Once again, he's like, I'll take care of it. And then he goes into poor Galecki, who's just trying to live his life and is like, you say anything, motherfucker, I'm going to kill you. You know, it's like, Jesus Christ, you know. Yeah. So, but then for reasons that we could just surmise afterwards, then he leaves. Johnny Galecki is alone and this, you know, mysterious fisherman wearing this slicker and a hat does wind up killing him with an ice pick yeah well i mean and the reason poor galecki had to be sacrificed is because that way they all know now although they don't he kind of hides the body but anyway it's like no it's not it's not max he's not he's not the culprit here right but in the end so in the end when you find out who it is which we will get to but there was really no reason for that person to kill max well, I think that person was just killing whoever, like whoever was even tangentially. Well, the only thing that I read was that they thought that Max might go to the police about these four and the killer was then afraid that that would mean that he wouldn't have his chance to kill them, which is- I see. It was like, vengeance is mine, Galecki, and you're not going to ruin it. You're not going to ruin my chance to kill these people. So I'm going to kill you the heads going in the crab pot which i thought was a li- a little much sir he didn't he really did, didn't even do anything bad and i think he got one of the worst murders oh for sure he got a terrible murder i was like you know that's really adding insult to injury yeah hook through the head is bad enough but then to submerge you with the crabs is just a bridge too far yeah it was that was a very gory death yeah and again, someone who really was just an innocent bystander. <laughs> Once again, the townie guy always gets screwed over. Yeah. So then that day, Barry goes to the gym to work out. Naturally. That evening, Barry is working out at the gym. Of course, nobody's there. Why nobody is ever there, I don't know. Nobody's there. He goes to the showers, to the locker room, and he starts to hear things. And he's like, Someone is messing with him. Clearly someone's messing with him and he's sort of running around calling people's names. No one's there. And then he goes back to his locker and he sees that his jacket has been stolen. Yeah. I will say this guy is very wily. I mean, this, you know, person who's murdering or creeping around is like really good at it. Yeah. He's very good. Cause you think that, you know, that's not being inconspicuous in a giant slicker head to toe just walking down the street or into a business someone's going to notice that you would think yeah so then he when he sees his his jacket is gone he goes rushing out of the locker room and someone has now taken his car and he starts to chase the car and then the car comes after him and starts chasing him down the driver comes out again now it's this fisherman this dark killing fisherman that we can't see his face he has the ice hook. He stands over Barry, but he doesn't kill him when he has the chance. Now, again, why he doesn't kill him when he has the chance, I don't really know, but it's a, it's a warning. It's like, guess what, motherfucker? I'm coming for you. And I want you to see it would have been too easy. Yeah, but poor Max just got it. I mean, God, what happened well, because Max was like, 
you know, unfortunately kind of like, uh, what do they call it? You know, when you're like an innocent bystander, innocent bystander, but he was just kind of like wrong place, wrong. He was kind of whatever that is. You know what I'm saying? So Barry is now in the hospital and he can't tell anyone who it was because he didn't see his face. And Julie says she's been doing some investigating and she figured out the name of the person they hit with the car was named David Egan. Yeah, she's, it was in the paper and like, you know, that he washed up because the whole thing was he'll wash up in a couple of weeks or whatever. And in fact, someone did wash up. Yeah. Yes. She's like, I think she's like, I found his sister. I think we should go see her and see if she can, t- you know, you know, help us get any clues as to who this could be. Cause she's now thinking that maybe he survived. Right. Maybe he didn't die and he is exacting his vengeance. Exactly. So Julie and Helen go to David Egan's house and they encounter Anne Hayes, who's the sister Missy. Right. And it's like this, you know, farm, farmhouse. She kind of seems weird. She's very weird. And she's, yeah, she's very strange. They actually think maybe she's the killer, but they, they are like, no, I don't think so. And then Missy tells them that someone came to her house after her brother died, claiming to be his friend. And she says the person's name was Billy Blue. So now they think this is a clue, like maybe Billy Blue is the murderer. So then, of course, the next day is- the And by the way, Billy Blue is the clearest, like, fake name on the planet. Yes. Well, it's like the name of a song or something. Billy Blue. Something at a Caddyshack. So the next day is the 4th of July, which is the day that this everything always happens because the accident happened on the 4th of July. Now it's the 4th of July again. They're all freaking out because they think this is it. This is going to be the day that um, that they're going to get killed. So Helen goes to sleep that night. When she wakes up the next morning, now this was very strange. Someone has slashed her hair and written soon on the vanity mirror. The slashing of the hair was, I'm like, you're not going to wake up as someone slashing your hair. I know. And also there's that whole scene too, where you see the guy come in to the house yeah the father is like in the room watching a game that's what i'm saying it's like it's amazing how this person's able to just kind of get wherever he needs to go on the full slicker full slicker yeah yeah and he's not a small man no it's an imposing figure yeah so helen calls barry and julie to come over because she's freaking out because someone's cut her hair in the middle of the night And by the way, didn't even cut it badly because she was able to put it into like a cute little shorter haircut. You'd think they would have like really fucked her hair up, like like chopped it all off or like buzzed it off or something. Yeah, it was ridiculous. So so Julie is on her way over. She hears a noise in the back of her car. She opens the trunk and that's when she sees Max's dead body with crabs crawling all over him, which was disgusting guy so she freaks out she then takes off on foot to tell barry and helen but when they return everything's out of the trunk yeah of course naturally all you see is like you know a bunch of uh you know random car stuff in there well and also i'm like how like it's not even wet there was it was filled with ice filled with ice and crabs there's she was gone for what fit 10 minutes at most if that but it should have still been wet at least it should have there should have been a smell there should have been smell of crab and decaying body 
Yeah, so they so Barry thinks that Julie's hallucinating, but she's like, no, he was here. So then they start to think that Ray, Freddie Prince Jr., is the one that's doing this. Yeah. So they confront him and he's like, no, I don't know what you're talking about. It's not me. And I received a similar letter. So then Julie decides to go back to Crazy Ann H and and try to figure out who this Billy Blue is. She brings a, a yearbook, which is insane. Yeah. So as this is happening, the 4th of July parade is happening and Helen has to be in the parade because she's, you know, the beauty queen. This is like part of her duties as the beauty queen. And somehow she arranges for Barry to sit on the float and be her lookout. (laughs) That's my favorite part. And he has like cuts all over his face and body. Yeah. And he's just like sitting, sitting atop the float all menacingly. Well, and, the, and, and they're exchanging meaningful glances and they're both looking around for anyone with a rain slicker, which I, I don't know why people would wear their fisherman rain slickers to the 4th of July parade, but there's quite a few because it's a fishing town. But it's hot out. Everybody else is in like short sleeve shirts. They're in a full rubber outfit from head to toe. I mean, I would think you'd be quite warm. Yeah. And Barry sees one and chases him through the crowd and tackles him. And it winds up being this poor senior citizen. It was just an old man. I felt bad. I'm like, that guy could really have some lingering issues. Barry could have cared less. You know who doesn't care? Barry. Barry did not care. So Julie is going back to Anne Heche and she, Missy, Anne Heche, tells Julie that her brother is dead and presents her with a suicide note that she thinks is a suicide note. Right. Which says, I will never forget last summer. And that's when julie is like oh no he did not commit suicide now she knows he's been killed right and she thinks she says that billy blue she now thinks is back to being ray because that is the name of the boat that he's on right and and that was a good clue to be like well shit this kid was murdered and is not the guy that's after us it's somebody entirely different and this and that kid was also murdered by the same person exactly so that's what i didn't understand about why would they think that Ray murdered this rando guy? Right. That's the only thing that I was like, well, why would he have just randomly killed that guy? Like what? He didn't even know him. Right. So then things start now. Okay. So now you're like at least probably an hour and 15 minutes into the movie. Now the killing spree starts. Now it all starts. Yeah, finally. So they have the, after the parade, they have the beauty pageant where Julie has to, you know, hand over the crown to the new winner barry's up in the balcony watching yeah and the killer comes and kills him up in the balcony i will say i think the star of the entire movie is the woman who's on stage doing her talent which was singing the song fame and she looked like she was at least 40 which is great she looked great and she was full singing the song fame and i went that lady's a star but i don't know who she was or what's happened to her since yeah that was that was it because it was supposed to be sort of teenagers and she did look much older than that she did so but that i loved that lady i was like whoever that lady is yeah i'm on board i felt like that scene was almost like the scene from dirty dancing when the sister is doing her song like they're equally as bad yeah so barry gets killed in the balcony then helen no is the only one no one believes her right she's screaming help him and the thing and Typical, you know, the men hold her back yes, because she's a hysterical woman. The only thing that made me feel better about all of that is at one point, the cop called her ma'am. <laughs> and I was like, she's 18. 
And it makes me feel better about anytime someone calls me ma'am. Yeah, which for me is all the time now. <laughs> um, so she don't feel that way because they call it an 18 year old Sarah Michelle Geller, ma'am. So you know that's what? That's right. It's all right. Well, she then goes with the cop in the cop car. He's going to like take her down to the station because she's like hysterical. Yeah. He, they stop because they see someone who needs roadside assistance. It <laughs> turns out to be the killer who kills yeah. the cop. Yeah, naturally. She is trapped in the police car. She breaks her way out and they have this terrible chase. She runs to her sister's store. The sister, of course, lets her in, but is like annoyed by it. Now, let me just say this. If your yeah. sister in the middle of the night comes running up, frantically screaming. The typical banging on the door. Open the door. Oh my God, open the door. Hurry, hurry. And the lady's like, oh God. Yeah hold on hold on i'm coming i'm coming don't you think she'd be a little bit more alarmed like what's up what's the matter it's not like she comes running to the store every day screaming yeah yeah so uh she lets her in but of course one of the doors is unlocked the killer gets in he quickly kills the sister sorry bridget wilson and then they have a sort of cat and mouse chase which very creepily they have these clear plastic uh, wraps over all the mannequins yeah and the killer puts one over himself so that when sarah michelle geller walks by he jumps at her that's smart that was good so despite her best efforts she also gets killed yeah and she gets killed in like a uh, surrounded by a bunch of tires yeah in the alley as a parade once, is once again i'm like god oh, sarah michelle geller yeah the fireworks are going off there's a band yeah and she's getting gored in the alley sorry helen so she's now gone yeah julie has now arrived on the scene she's frantic she sees freddie prince jr but then she sees billy blue as the boat and now she's convinced that he is the killer yeah so she starts running away from him oh because we we there was a part two in the movie where ann heche was saying you know this guy came around and then we kind of had a little thing i believe she used the term we were sweet on each other which i was like is this 1953 or when when did anybody use that expression so she was basically saying they had a little bit of a romance or whatever so he's like it wasn't me it wasn't me i didn't want you to know because i wanted to get back with you essentially i mean i thought his argument was sound personally yes no it was and the other thing is, sorry, I missed this. Julie has also found out that David, the guy who's dead, he, the year before that, so let's say two years prior, he and his girlfriend Susie were involved in a car accident. He survived, but she died. Right. And he's felt, felt enormous guilt. And that's why they thought that he had killed himself because he felt enormous guilt about the fact that Susie had died and he didn't felt you know, responsible for it. Right. And she finds out that, that Susie has a father named Ben Willis. And so Sue, so, so Julie has now figured it all out. She figures out that they didn't kill David Egan that night on the road, that he was already dead. They killed Ben, the father, the father who had killed the David, David out of vengeance for his daughter. Exactly. So now she's down at the docks, a fisherman punches out Ray. He's like, come on my boat. She like an idiot, of course, believes him. Yeah. So now she's trapped on this boat and she realizes that this is Ben Willis. This yeah. is the guy that they hit, that they threw in the water and he yeah. died. And I'm going to say, I don't know if he should have murdered the first guy, but he has every right 
to want to go ahead and murder all these kids because they did leave him for dead and murder him. They did. So they, they thought. So they they then have this huge thing and Freddie Prince Jr. gets on the boat and he they're all fighting and there's various things that happen. Sarah, Sarah Michelle Geller's hiding in this ice chest. Oh, that was a great part. No, so Jen, that was a good part. Jennifer Love Hewitt's hide, trying to find a hiding spot. She gets into where the ice is, where they put the fish. And that's where he's storing all of the bodies. So it's almost yes. like, it's like that scene in Poltergeist where the bodies start popping out of that. It's the same kind of thing. She's like in this ice thing and then she moves ice and like Sarah Michelle Geller's body. And it's Ryan, you know, it's like all the bodies in it. And of yeah. course, like an idiot, she screams all, she's constantly screaming. Yeah, she's constantly screaming. Freddie Prince Jr. is like, got knocked off the boat. Then he pulls himself back oh, on he, the boat. He, I said the upper body strength on this guy. He pulls himself up the mast hoists yeah. himself up he's like yeah it's like freaking Z- zorro or whatever what, what's the guy yeah zorro yeah yeah like swinging across getting landing on the boat like he's really something yeah and this is after he's got into fights i mean someone's literally trying to kill him he still has the strength i mean the fortitude, the he, fortitude. he wants to go save his girl Yes. And so he succeeds. They get Ben Willis tangled up in these ropes that fling him up to the mast. Yeah. They, it, it, what do you call it? Not decapitate. It like, yeah. It like severs his, severs his hand off. Yeah. Severs his hand off with the hook in it. Yeah. And he, but he says to her before that even happens, he goes, now, you know, you better really make sure someone's dead before you leave them for dead. Yes. Yeah. Sure enough though. He, then was hoisted into the sea right without a hand without a hand but of course there's no body nobody there's no body so we don't know if he's dead nope and if i were jennifer love hewitt i would have been like we're gonna fucking get some divers out here <laughs> that's what i would have said i would have been like we're gonna go ahead and get me some scuba gear because i gotta go make sure this guy's dead but they don't do that no, and they and the police say to him, say to to Julie and to Ray, do you know why this guy would be trying to kill you? And they're like, we have no idea. So once again, they decide to lie. Yeah, they're like, no. So now fast forward a year, Julie's at school. She's Dean's List, I think they say. She's oh, all yeah. happy. She has friends. Her hair not, looks good again. Not a care in the world. Yes. She is uh, talking on the phone to Ray. They're going to get together in a few weeks. They're still an item all happiness and then a woman uh out and she's getting into the shower a woman outside the shower is like julie you got a letter out here yeah she immediately is panicked yeah goes and looks at the letter but it's just an invitation to a sorority barbecue that's right she's like oof yes close one so then she gets goes back into the shower room now in steam (laughs) it says i know I still know on the, on the mirror, I still know. And then you see like somebody go woo through the mirror and that's the end, but they did make several sequels, two sequels of which she's the star of one of them. Um, yeah. The second one, I remember like Brandy's in it. Yes. Um, I don't remember, but I think I might watch it. Yes. I still know what you did last summer actually came out. I think the next summer, I feel like they're on an, like they take like a like a spring break trip or something if I'm recalling. And I think Brandy is like her roommate or something. Yeah. And then they made one like 10 years later that none of, none of the original cast. Was yeah. There. I might have to watch them because they were all on HBO max up there. I went, I'm going to have to watch that. Yeah. Uh, well, the film was a $17 million budget and it grossed $125 million. Yeah. It's a fun summertime movie. 
it, it's oh you know i just thought it was of course i don't like horror films i didn't think it was that scary which i is know i was that, shocked that you picked it i, I know like, that's okay. a positive statement for me that's that's a positive but i i was like the story was so ridiculous. It was just so ridiculous. It is, but they all are. Any kind of like slasher movie like that is tenuous at best. But here's in this exam example, I think that the killer was rightfully, I'm not saying he was supposed to go around murdering people, but they did leave him for dead. They did. Like he kind of had a, had a reason. Yes. He became a serial killer just based on the fact that his daughter was killed in a car accident, but yeah. Yeah, it was, listen, they were, I read a lot about how this was like more of a straight up horror film where, you know, Scream, which Kevin Williamson did, had a lot of like snarky references. It wasn't right. like, you know, what he sort of became known for. Right. Um, but he also wrote Dawson's Creek and the beach at the very beginning is called Dawson's Beach, which is a nod. Oh, to okay. This. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, there was just a lot of stuff about like, who they wanted to cast. Like I said, Reese Witherspoon, um, at one point, Melissa Joan Hart. Oh my. Turned down the role that, that uh, Jennifer Love Hewitt wound up having. I think they were very happy with the cast. They, they wanted people who were like good looking, but likable. And also I think the Sarah Michelle Geller role was the trickiest one. Cause they also wanted someone who could be bitchy. So they wanted that sort of. She's really good at that. How she can, she can do that. I love her. Yeah. But anyway, I thought it was, I thought it was okay. I wouldn't, I wouldn't go crazy over it. I give I'm it actually... a Muldoon. I give it a Muldoon because it's fun. It's, it's an, it's a quintessential nineties little thriller. It's fun. I'm going to give it a Muldoon. Okay. I didn't dislike it. I was just kind of like, eh. Yeah, it's fine. Okay. I will say the film is included on Roger Ebert's most hated list though. Oh, I mean, hated, hated. Jeez, yeah. Raj. Hated. I can see being indifferent, but hating is, a, is it's one of those where you go, it's fine. It's fine. Yeah. No, it was fine. I'm, I, again, I'm surprised. I think a lot of the scream stuff rubbed off on oh, this. Scream is so great. I mean, yeah. the original scream is one of the best horror movies all, ever. I actually liked that movie too. Yeah. It's very smart. Yeah. Well done. All right, and well, we're crossing genres. We're going to see what, what we can do. We're staying summer, but we're <laughs> switching it up. Well, there's always a good horror film in the summer, right? Yeah, literally. Real life right now is our horror film. That's well, that's true. Happening in the summer. Yeah, it is. Every week, something happens. <laughs> Every week is something more horrible. It is. It's true. It's, yeah. it's amazing. Yeah. All right, but we're going to keep it light and lively. That's outrageous. Yeah. And we will continue to do so next week. That's right. Until right. next time. Don't run over anyone. No, or at least call the police. Outrageous. Outrageous.